0: Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! Alright, crowdfunders, how's everybody doing out there in Crowdfunding Land? It's a new week. There's a lot of more lot more campaigns out there. Everybody's trying to raise that capital, get those dreams going. It's a new year. A lot of good energy out there. Yeah, I'm feeling it today. I'm feeling it today. So coming up on today's episode, um, we're back diving into equity crowdfunding. That's where we're playing today. Um, We're going to be talking to Alexander uh, Skolnick. Skolnick? Skolnick? Skolnick. Skolnick. Sorry about that. Sorry. Remember, if you guys listen to other episodes... Pronouncing names is not one of my specialties. It's not, I'm not not trying to be mean. I just struggle with it, you know? I'm just not that good at it. But I'm getting better. Getting better. This podcast is making me better. But so Alexander is from the company Liquid Piston. And I'm going to tell you this straight out. I mean, we're like a minute into this episode. If you have some money laying around and you're thinking about doing some investing, I would strongly recommend checking this out. Um, so Liquid Piston is the first wholly new combustible engine. I mean, combustible combustion engines, they haven't changed in like a 100 years or something like that. And we're going to break down in our conversation uh, some of the technology behind it, uh, what Liquid Piston's doing, um, why they're doing a a round of equity crowdfunding, what some of their strategies was, and yeah, and they're kicking butt right now. They're probably getting close. This is my assumption. They're probably getting close to maybe shutting it off. I'm telling you that. So, if you got some capital out there, this is—I I, just—I can't recommend it enough. And I know I'm probably not allowed to say that for some SEC regulations. I'm not telling you to go do it. I'm just saying, hey, go check out the website. You know, just go check it out. Think about it a little bit. You know. So, what's everybody been doing? How's everybody's weekend, huh? Uh, we're in another uh, gray, dreary day here in, in in Michigan. You know, which is like day 16 in a row. So, I'm taking a lot of vitamins. I've been taking a D three supplement vitamin. to kind of re- I think it reproduces that sort of uh, the um, the sunlight energy, right? Trying to put that back into my body because we just don't see it. So, I'm working on that, and then I take like a K two, a little calcium thing. I don't really know why. That's what I was told to do. I'm trying it out, and I'll tell you, I think it does have an effect. I'm feeling better. I'm still eating garbage. I I, I don't know. Uh, I'm still addicted to that sugar shit, you know, so I've got that going on, but I'm working on it every day. you know you just you just work on it and work on it and work on it. so over the weekend, uh, I had to work at the old work at the old um, church, you know, doing some live sound making it sound good, which it sounded good. I, I did my job well, and the band played nice but um I don't know i got, I actually got to thinking um, the teaching was all about love. And really, over the last probably 10 days or so, I've been really trying to explore what this word love means and how it impacts everything around you, life, your kids, your wife, your coworkers, your overall makeup and attitude and energy. And, and I think personally, I, I, I've been thinking about love incorrectly. And now I have no idea what this has to do with engines it probably has nothing to do. Well, maybe there's probably people out there that love engines, you know, love their old, you know, old school vintage car. Mind you, I'm not a car guy. That's another thing I should put out there. I, I know where the gas goes and I know how to start it. I know how to put some air in the tires, but that's about it. So, um so I like I've just personally been exploring this this idea of of love and what does it mean? How do I inf- how do I really imp- take this very broad word that means a gazillion things to everybody and apply it to my life apply it to my energy my attitude my uh my decisions you know i find that i i tend to instantly if somebody you know does something I don't want them to do or, you know, makes me mad that I instantly go to, well, I'm going to put you on a list over here and I'm going to remember those those 10 things for probably minimum the next couple weeks. And I'm going to probably make a lot of things miserable. I have that tendency. I don't think it's as bad as it used to be. Um, I think kids have changed some of that, but I am finding that uh, I have to continue to work on that. So when I was thinking about love over the weekend, and, and obviously hearing the teachings for five times in a row, and I'm not again not a not a big religious guy. I just I, you know, I work there, and, and you know I get it. I, you know I I understand it. Um, you know, but to have some, you know some, I'll give you a little more personal insight. my wife and I. We're struggling right now. There's no doubt about it. We're struggling in in this in 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 a young marriage with young kids. And I think her and I are both growing right now. I think we're really trying to find where we fit into this universe. And we're asking a gazillion questions internally. And it's challenging to, to make decisions that you think are best for yourself if they're not you know, the best for your partner. So because of that and because of that tension, I, I really am trying to explore this. And I think something that I'm, I'm going to really try to, to apply is, is this idea of of um, acceptance and forgiveness, right? And I also, you know, I was reading that book by Dr. Brené Brown about wholeheartedness and really trying to just approach each day, each conversation with the sort of, I know you're doing the best that you can, right? I I think everybody's trying. I'm not going to judge and I'm not going to sit here and, and hold you to some standard that is made up. It could be anything at this point. I'm just going to really try to be in that moment more, and 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 not hold this sort of judgmental tone to everything. And I think I do that. And I want to try to also apply that to the kids. So it's not just the wife. You know, you know that's just one part of it. But you know, when I, when I really look at, at the kids, I want to make sure that I'm approaching my conversations with them in a very non you know, I wouldn't say dominating, but but not you know, I'm not approaching them with some sort of like this is how it must be. I'm just try I want to approach it more in a sense of like, I'm here for you. I accept however you think about something. You have your own brain. You have your own mindset. You have your own feelings about something. What makes you upset might not make me upset, but I have to accept that that will make you upset, you know, or whatever it is. So really thinking about that sort of stuff before I'm acting. Now, granted, I'm only in, I'm only in a few days with this. So, this feels like a major work in progress and a, and a, and a rewiring. Um, it goes back to the old audio days. It feels like I'm pulling the patch bay apart and I'm going to start repatching some stuff. And that's kind of what I feel like right now. And I feel like that with, with you know, it's how I want to start approaching my work with my clients, potential clients, my conversations, this podcast, the blogs. I really want to come from a place that's not negative driven. And something I'm seeing personally inside a woodshed agency is it's very easy and quick to go to negative right you know so let's just say we have a client that we just don't 100 percent believe in what that product is that doesn't mean it's bad and that doesn't mean that other people out there won't so it's it's i think i can see how i can apply this sort of um, love to you know always seeing the best in something you know and that's a challenging challenging thing especially in a time where alternative facts are now something we discuss and People have motives and have, you know, tendencies, and they have the upbringing they had, and they, you know, their dad left, so this happened, and then their mom was like this, so that happened. I this is this is going to be a challenging thing, but man, it's it's right on the front of my brain. It's been there for the last you know eighty some hours. It's been on that forefront of my brain, and 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 I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to bring it up and just tell you, kind of, you know. I, why I think this is such a good place to try to put yourself in and see what happens. How does this relate to crowdfunding equity or reward base? I find that with the, the the project creators that have this sort of, energy or vibe where they're open for conversation. They're open for networking. They're open for, basically they've put themselves out there. They're engaging in conversations uh, on Reddit or Quora or wherever. You know, if somebody writes something nasty, they're they're just commenting back. That's something that I do. I've got a guy right now, for some reason on Reddit, absolutely just... you know, trying to bring me down because he thinks my website's not good enough. The Woodshed Agency website's not good enough. And I just went back to him and said, hey, if you have a tool that does what you're saying, I'll look at it. If Because he believes, so I'll give you, I'll, I'll sum it up real quick. He thinks that people are just leaving my website because I have a, a few pop-ups that happen, you know. And I keep telling him, I'm like, here's my stats. Here's my stats. Here's my actual facts on my stats, right? You know. So, but I'm out there having that conversation. And and then I, I'm I'm, I'm respectful to the point where I'm like, listen, I get it. You have your opinion. You don't like the website. I'm sorry. But just this morning, I got an email from a, a lead, a guy who wants to talk, who says he loves the website. That's a factual thing. So this whole weekend, this alternative fact thing, that's also impacted me a lot, too, where I'm like, what planet are we on? And I know I'm not alone in this one. But this is that sort of... I. You know, I don't expect everybody to see eye to eye, but at some time, if I send you a screenshot of an email where a guy says, I love your website, it's awesome, and then you're telling me how awful awful it is, I'm sorry I'm not listening to you. I'm listening to the people. I'm going on the love side of this equation. I'm going on the equation. It's not me putting myself in a bubble. I'm all about criticism, and if you have an opinion or if you have a tool I should use or if you have data... I'm all about data. You give me data and I will stop where I am and look at it. But if you don't and you just are giving me your opinion, that's when I'm like, you need to go a step further. So that's what's going on around here. That's my week this week. I, I, I'm working every day this week to, to make sure that I am uh, I'm loving everything. And I'm feeling good and I'm respecting everybody. And uh, yeah, And then I'm going to go to the dentist today. I'm going to get the teeth cleaned. I'm going to be told that I need to work on my bottom teeth because I'm told that all the time. I'm always working on them. So that's what's going on. That's what I'm feeling like here. So let's go ahead and kick into my conversation with Alexander from from Liquid Piston. Um, I, I, I love this. It's got a great father-son story. Um, right now, their campaign, they're up to $753,000 with 708 investors. And I think that's an important part of this conversation. If you're thinking about doing equity crowdfunding, listen to what um, Alec is saying here, where he's saying, "Man, they're they're appreciative of this Wild West vibe of the equity crowdfunding. They're 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 open to exploring these sort of new, you know, this new world." And um, so I'm I'm in, I think this is an awesome awesome campaign. Um, it's just again proving what I keep saying around here that if you're looking at to, get, to raise money, equity crowdfunding can really 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 be a great thing. So, all right, let's kick into my conversation.
1: All right,
0: Alexander, how are you doing
2: this uh, this fine afternoon? Doing very well. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Yeah, no problem. So you are from Liquid Piston, correct?
2: That's right. I'm one of the co-founders here and the CEO.
0: Awesome. So why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about what Liquid Piston is and does? Uh,
2: Sure. Uh, So we're a startup company uh, located in Bloomfield, Connecticut, just outside Hartford, and uh, we're basically trying to change uh, the the very fundamentals of how we uh, how we do internal combustion engines. Interesting.
0: Interesting. So so. Just so my listeners know, I found you over on WeFunder and that's how I reached out because you've got a very successful campaign going on, going out over there. You're just under 750,000. Uh, so, so how did you end up getting over to WeFunder, uh, in this stage in the, uh, uh, in
2: the business? So, uh, we've been looking at, uh, crowdfunding as a potential avenue for funding. You know, what, what we're doing is, uh, really kind of game changing and, and very new, um, so we, we we're contacted uh, pretty much on a daily basis by people interested in our technology, and uh, a lot of folks are asking, you know, how do we how do we support what Liquid Piston is doing? And uh, so we, we we wanted to find a way to work with folks and allow them to contribute to the uh, to the project here. Um, so that's that's kind of how we uh, how we got interested in in crowdfunding. Awesome. So so what
0: makes I guess your engine different than what's on the market right now?
2: Yeah, so the the combustion engine's been around for, you know, 150 years, and there really hasn't been any fundamental changes in the engine in in over 80 years. Uh, So it's a very old and established uh, technology. What we're doing is kind of going back to the fundamentals, uh, really going back to the physics of how the engine operates. So we developed a new thermodynamic cycle, which we call the high-efficiency hybrid cycle, And that that really kind of optimizes the physics uh, that the engine uses and really improves the efficiency of the combustion engine. We've also coupled the new thermodynamic cycle with a different type of rotary engine embodiment. So you you may have heard of the Wankel rotary engine that was developed um, about 80 years ago. Uh, So uh, the the Wankel rotary, um, it Almost disrupted the industry, but it, it has a, a number of uh, major flaws. Um, we basically took the complexity and the, uh, or I should say the simplicity and the elegance of the rotary engine, uh, but solved most of the, the challenges that the old rotary has had and applied this new thermodynamic cycle, uh, to bring it, uh, to life. So it's, it's really a new engine, a new thermodynamic cycle. And, uh, it's, it's a breakthrough in, uh, in technology of engines here.
0: And, and where do you see your engines being used
2: uh, in today's world? Ultimately, the engine can can go really anywhere that we have engines today. Uh, you know what what really sets us apart is our engine is about ten times lighter and smaller than a typical uh, piston diesel engine, and yet we have uh, efficiencies that exceed today's diesel engines. So it's extremely fuel efficient, extremely lightweight, and compact. Uh, the engine technology is scalable. We're actually starting with engines that are very small. Our, our first, uh, or I should say our, our most advanced uh, prototype to date is a little 70cc engine. It's about the size of a grapefruit. It weighs uh, four pounds. And if you, know, if you look at our, uh, at our website, you can see a, a video of the engine being installed into a go-kart. So we, we took a 40-pound gasoline engine off the go-kart and installed our little four-pounder and uh and off we go
0: (laughs) yeah i think i saw that video i think you were zipping around a parking lot if i'm not mistaken that's right (laughs) yeah that looked like a good uh good afternoon there
2: bringing some fame to uh bloomfield connecticut there
0: (laughs) (laughs) wonderful so you know so where does kind of the journey of this idea kind of start from uh i know you said you're the ceo but but, you know where, where does this all kind of come from uh to start working on on combustible engines
2: yeah, so my, my father is the primary inventor of the t- technology, uh, Nick, and he's a physicist. Um, so he actually received training uh, back in the Soviet Union. He's an immigrant from, from the Ukraine. Um, then he came over here and did a Ph.D. in physics at uh, University of Connecticut, and he's really been thinking about the physics of engines for uh, close to 30 years And so I I just kind of grew up in that environment of, uh, you know, we we would talk to them with dynamics over the uh, breakfast table. (laughs) And (laughs) um, I I went off to do some other things. And, uh, you know, I I did my Ph.D. at MIT in uh, robotics, Um, have a kind of a technical background in modeling and optimization. Um, I I got to play with neurons for a while and use neurons to control robots and things like that. but really I just started helping my father and we, we took a, a approach that, that was grounded in physics and modeling and optimization. And so, you know, here's two guys that really knew very little about engines, but uh, we, we kind of knew about the science of it and uh, in, enough to be dangerous there. Um, and and it, it was a slow process uh, so that, you know, my dad's been working on it for 25, 30 years. I started really helping him uh, around 2000. Uh, the, we we, uh, we won a business plan competition, uh, second place in, at the uh, MIT 50K Challenge in uh, 2004, and that was really kind of when the, when the company started to uh, coalesce. Uh, around 2007, we received a, a small um, army contract, and that led to uh, some venture capital funding. Mm. So, so we actually uh, are building on uh, over 20 million dollars and. Uh, 10 years now of uh, investment in the company. So it's it's been a process. Yeah,
0: I'm sure it was. It doesn't seem like this just happened yesterday. Um, so, you know, disruptive is such a sexy word in, in, in a lot of, you know, uh, equity crowdfunding and startups and the VC world. You know, I mean, was this something that you, th- or, your, you or your dad kind of just felt, felt like, man, we this is a technology that is prime and ready to be blown up no pun intended, you know, <laughs> but like, you know, I mean, is that something that you guys looked at and you were like, you know what, let's, or I guess your dad mostly back in the day, just wanted to really focus on that and, and change the game.
2: Yeah. So, so here's the thing. It's a 150 year old technology and today's combustion engines like in your car, it only converts about 20% of the energy in the fuel into useful mechanical work. So literally 80% of the heat in the fuel is wasted out your tailpipe or out your radiator uh yeah. physics tells us that we can just do a lot better than that so uh it, it seemed like an like like something that we should do better in and uh you know it, it's a big challenge and, and my father and i we, we both like to work on kind of bigger problems like that so i think that's it was just interesting for us
0: and, and where do you see yourself fitting in in the sort of like the the climate change type of debates and you know the you know uh you know, being using better fuel just like where do you guys see yourself fitting into that sort of conversation
2: yeah so uh in the longer term I'd love to see our engine uh, utilized in vehicles right that that's pretty mm-hmm. much the, the larger uh consumer of oil on the planet and there's a lot of room for uh, for for optimizing that uh, we're seeing a big push now for uh, electrification of vehicles but uh you know d- despite what the government claims and, and you hear uh you hear things like zero emission vehicles just because something's an electric vehicle but that, that's kind of a misnomer uh, the, the electricity that we generate to charge your electric batteries that electricity has a co2 footprint typically you know unless you're mm-hmm. hooked up directly to a solar panel you're using coal or natural gas uh and it's done in a in a power plant and then you're distributing that over over the electric grid and, and every step of the way, including charging your battery, uh, each step has losses with it. So we've, we've done a study and shown that actually, if we have a very efficient engine, and right now we're targeting uh, over 45% brake thermal efficiency, if we have an efficient engine right on the vehicle and charging a battery pack on the vehicle, uh, we can reduce the CO2 footprint even uh, in comparison to an electric vehicle. So we kind of see a world where we, we, we can hybridize, take advantage of uh, electric and also um, very efficient combustion engines, which would overall have a big impact on, on CO2 and, and climate change. Sure. And, you know, be- vehicles is just one example, but we, we can also go into uh, distributed power generation. So we can we can power uh, homes with things like natural gas and in, in a very uh, efficient way uh, also compared to the electric uh, power grid. So uh, d- definitely can be disruptive there.
0: Interesting. So, you know, back to the kind of the car... Part of the of of your uh, answer there, you know, I'm in Detroit, so I'm in home of the Big Three here, and cars are everything we do here. H- how do you see yourself either competing with them or working with them, you know, uh, or, or or you know, or are they actually like against what you're doing? I mean, what, what's that sort of temperature like um, with the car companies?
2: Yeah, so the so the automotive industry is kind of interesting. It's it's extremely uh, conservative, and e- even a good proven technology takes almost 20 years on average to be adopted uh, into the automotive industry, and, and th- there are case studies uh, across uh, the the automotive industry that that reflect that. Um, so we're we're really not chasing the the car industry as a first uh, market. It's just going to be too difficult to penetrate mm-hmm. as a as a startup. You know, if if we had unlimited resources, that's absolutely what I would do because it's the biggest impact. Uh, sure. But uh, what, what we're doing is taking kind of a, a milestone or, or a stepping stone uh, approach, I should say. Uh, we're starting with uh, military applications. Mm. So the the U.S. military has uh, tremendous needs. It's actually the single largest consumer of oil on the planet, uh, the, the U.S. military by itself. Uh, it, it can take up to 100 gallons of fuel to deliver a single gallon to the front line. Wow. And, uh, you know, they, they just... They need power everywhere they go, right? Everything in the military uh, re- requires uh, power. Um, so what we're finding is, is a big need for uh, smaller, lighter, more efficient, uh, heavy-fueled engines because the, the entire military operates on JP-8 fuel, which is a heavy-fuel-based jet fuel, uh, so, so they cannot run gasoline uh, engines in, in the field. Um, and, and today's diesel engines are just very big. So it's a big deal for them to uh, to have an engine that's 10 times lighter and smaller and more efficient than what they use today.
0: Wow. So where, where do you see, well, I guess, you know, based on what you were just saying there, uh, you know, and you got that Army contract you were saying. I mean, how do you, you know, work with them in terms of a new idea, obviously without getting into major details, but how, how do you kind of work that sort of relationship uh, so that's best for you and um, for that contract?
2: Yeah, so we, we've been very fortunate in, in having the support uh, of the military. Um, last month, we, we announced that we we got a $2.5 million contract from DARPA, which is the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency. And that's building on a program that we started last year with them that was a $1 million seedling program. Um, so uh, D- DARPA is, is very well known and respected. It's basically the research arm of the military. Uh, it's extremely hard. To get your foot in the door with DARPA, but once you're in with them, they're very supportive. Mm-hmm. Uh, DARPA is well known for developing, for example, the the internet and uh, GPS technology as we know it today. So a, a lot of technologies that they develop, you know, they're all meant to give the the warfighter an advantage or to eliminate uh, surprise. Uh, but a lot of their technologies spill over into the commercial uh, sector, so so they're they're very That's used it. to working with companies like that. Um, so yeah, we're we're working with them, and uh, the the engine that we're developing for DARPA, you know, it, it can have an immediate impact in things like uh, powering drones and uh, generators for the military. Uh, but also, the same engine can can be used uh, to to power things like cars.
0: So, what kind of testing standards do you have to go through in, in scenarios like this? Uh, f- you know, for something like an engine,
2: it really depends on the on the market. Uh, we we you know we do have a pretty sophisticated uh, state of the art test facility in, in our shop in bloomfield connecticut uh, so so we can do pretty much all the same types of testing that that you would see in a automotive type of facility uh, when you go out into things like drones or aircraft you know there's additional uh, atmospheric types of, of, of testing that you need to do you need to take the engine to uh, simulated altitude or sim- or uh, temperatures uh, etc mm-hmm. um and different industries have different certification requirements. So, in some areas, we can self-certify. In some areas, we may have to send the engine out for third-party, uh, you know, c- compliance uh, right. checking. So, it, it really depends on on the industry. But with the military, a, a lot of it is exempted from commercial um, standards. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of another reason why it's uh, it, it's a nice starting point for us because uh, doing emissions development is extremely Time-consuming and expensive, right? Right. It, it, right. Can, it, it can take a uh, hundred million dollars or more to certify an automotive engine, and that's, that's not uncommon. So wow, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's <Ooh. laughs> a lot of cash. <laughs> well, that, that's another reason why we're avoiding the automotive space as a as a first uh, space for us. I see it. Wow. Wow.
0: That's crazy. You know, so today's Inauguration Day. You're probably the best person to ask on this. Like, what is the temperature around the change of power for what you're working on in these government contracts and stuff? Like, you know, is it a good time for what you're doing? Is it a bad time? What's the landscape
2: like? I mean, without going into uh, too much into politics here. Yeah, not a
0: politician. Yeah, yeah. I don't care about that. But just you know, overall, like, how do you feel? Like, how how would and how would people in your position feel? Like, like, what's the energy right now?
2: Well, because we're working with the military, I guess the the mood in the military right now is is they're they're feeling pretty good about things. They're they're at Mm -hmm. least feeling like like programs are not going to get cut. Right. Military. So, um, you know, hopefully, also being kind of between uh between wars or, or winding wars down we, we can actually focus uh more resources uh, in the country on development of technology um so for us it's a pretty good time and, and we're seeing a lot of interest from from the military that's
0: great what what's the entrepreneur um ecosystem like where uh, in connecticut you know is the is it you know, really versed is. Do you have a lot of resources at your disposal, or do you find yourself having to kind of keep exploring?
2: I mean, honestly, Connecticut is a is a bit challenging for us. Um, it, it's it's a well meaning state, but uh, you know, it, it's not known for a community of entrepreneurship. Mm. Uh, I, I myself actually live in Boston. Uh, our, our VP of corporate development lives in Boston, so we we do have uh, pretty close relationships into the Boston area as well. And uh, the, obviously the, the uh, entrepreneurial uh, drive in Boston is very different than, uh, than Connecticut. so
0: I'm sure yeah.'s <laughs> been a- so, so do you see yourself do you see, see yourself uh, like moving the factory at all or anything like that or, or changing locations or do you feel like it, you're
2: still in a, in a pretty good position right now? It's, it's possible that, that we may look at moving into the Boston area.' That's hmm. something we're looking at interesting. So,
0: so let's break down a little bit on this WeFunder campaign. So, you know, you, you mentioned that, you know, trying crowdfunding, but but how did you really make that decision, I guess with your whole team, um, you know, just the whole idea behind it to to go to equity crowdfunding to um to raise some capital. What was the kind of the mindset behind that decision?
2: Yeah, you know, for for us uh, as I said, we we've been getting a lot of interest from different people and and When we we started hearing from folks almost on a daily basis, hey, how how do we uh, support this? How do we get involved? And how do we, can we invest? Uh, When when we heard about the opportunities in crowdfunding, you know, we've sort of just been looking at it and and eventually we we made a decision to to move forward on it. Um, We we had pretty low expectations going into it, um, but I, I think it's turning out quite well for us what what was what are
0: you um what's the money for that you're raising
2: right now so a, a lot of it is to complement the the military programs um so you know we, we signed the darpa contract and uh we signed another contract that's not yet publicly disclosed but uh should be soon uh so we we have two military programs that are uh that are kicking off um the military does not pay for everything they they don't pay for mm-hmm. patents for example uh, they don't pay for marketing. Uh, so the, the, there's a, a number of expenses that we need as a company uh, that, that would, that would complement the military funding. Uh, so we are actually going to be looking at doing a venture capital raise uh, later this year. Uh, we're we're going to be trying to raise around $7 million, uh, which hopefully will be the last money into the company. We, we think we'll, hmm. we'll reach uh, cash flow positive from
0: what, what do you feel like, um, or do you feel like equity crowdfunding is going to change the way VC looks at you uh, in the future?
2: Uh, you know, that, that was one of our um, concerns, and, and really, we don't know. We, we There are very few data points because it's so new. Right. Uh, we're, we're not sure. You know, we, we have some investors that expressed uh, concern about it. Uh, you know, how, how are we going to deal with having hundreds of people on our, on our cap table, <laughs> Uh, right, right, and then we have some investors that are really excited about it. Um, so uh, on, on WeFunder, we we saw a um, a couple of companies there that that had venture capital support, and uh, that's that's we, we were holding back a little bit before uh, we wanted to kind of see how that how that would go. Um, but you know, it, it's really kind of experimental. Um, sure, there are features in, in the in in the contracts that um, I, I think. Make it more friendly for for VCs to participate uh, as well. And uh, you know, as you know from from our campaign, we're doing a convertible note, so uh, we're not we're not setting a, a price uh, in the round. We're we're basically going to allow the VC to set the price uh, down the road. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I think things like that will will help.
0: So, so I mean, maybe, maybe I'm going to walk maybe we can just walk kind of a layman through, but if somebody were to invest, let's just say $5,000, you know, today or tomorrow into, um, uh, you know, into liquid piston, you know, what's the next steps, what happens behind the scenes for somebody that just
2: doesn't quite know? Cause again, this is the wild West right now. And people are like, what is it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, they, they, would execute some contracts and, uh, sometime, um, within the next uh, month, or, or two, we, we're probably going to close out our, uh, our campaign. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're very close to the, the number of, uh, uh, investors that we're allowed to take on. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, once the campaign is closed off, uh, you know, we're going to execute the contracts on, on our end. Um, so th- these are convertible notes. So pe- people will, will own a note in the company. Uh, that note can then convert into equity Uh, once we, once we do a series, a, uh, venture capital raise, um, so basically it would convert into the same shares that a VC is going to get, uh, a few months later, uh, the, the current note holders are going to be earning interest, uh, while, while we're waiting for the, for the VCs to come, to come in. Uh, but then eventually they're going to own stock in the company. Um, so it's, it's really an exciting opportunity too, because it's it's awesome. It, it hasn't been possible previously for smaller investors to get involved in uh, very early stage uh, companies. You know, this is yeah. um, very high risk, but also potentially high reward type of uh, stuff. So it's it's interesting for for smaller investors to to be allowed to uh, to, to do this.
0: So so like I'm looking at right now. I mean, you, as of today, you have 705 investors. What does that? Make you guys feel like I mean, is it is there validation behind anything? Or and traditionally, I mean, most of my conversations around reward based crowdfunding, where a lot of times it, you know, if you get a whole bunch of backers, you're like, this is awesome. Obviously, I have a real product here. You kind of know you have a real product. So, what does it feel like to have that many investors, though? You know what I mean for you guys.
2: So it's it's really a, a double edged uh, thing, right? On, on the one hand, we're we're really excited about the support, and it's great to see the the enthusiasm. And uh, really, we're, we're very thankful to uh, to folks that are that are investing at at all levels. Um, so we, we hope that it will be perceived by venture capital as uh, as, as a positive. Hey, look, this we have the community uh, interested in, in what we're doing and willing to put a skin in the game to, to help support us. Mm-hmm. You yeah. uh, know, on the counterpart of that, uh, it, it's a lot of folks to uh, to kind of responsible for right uh right investors often want to have updates and and they want to know what's going on and some of them maybe they want to come by the shop so we are a very small company we're we're a team of uh 11 people so you know dealing with one or two investors is uh is is okay i i don't know what we're really getting into in in dealing with 700 investors so that's uh Yeah there but i, I that's think that's an excellent uh, point
0: that's an excellent point I, did, I never thought about in terms of like the uh the behind the scenes handshaking and just being friendly to a ton of people yeah
2: <laughs> you and, know you know i, you I know. think the, the, the we funder guys are appreciative of that and i think they're serving serving as kind of an intermediary so mm-hmm. um I, I think that's that's good uh, I, I do hope that the folks that are investing into us i think they they'll be respectful of uh allowing us you know the time to focus on, on, on building the business and, and building the technology. Um, so I, I expect it to work out well.
0: Yeah. Have you, uh, do you have any data yet on where your investors are coming from if they're at all local or, you know, are they just coming from everywhere?
2: They're really coming from, from everywhere. I mean, um, you know, obviously most of them are are coming from the United States. Um, Mm -hmm. but they're not really, in any specific areas, it's it's not like uh, people from Bloomfield, Connecticut are ninety nine percent of our supporters. <laughs> right, right. And that's, that's what's been intriguing with some of my uh, conversations with some of the
0: breweries that have done equity crowdfunding. Typically, it's it's pretty local, pretty localized, which makes sense. You know, like yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to go drink the beer. I might as well, you know, might as well invest in it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So what did you have to put together um, in terms of like a marketing plan or a strategy before you uh, launched on WeFunder?
2: So uh, kind of the standard materials. Uh, we were also concurrently raising a, uh, I, I guess you would call it an angel round. Um, so kind of the, the standard uh, type of uh, angel round. So we, we had a pitch deck that was already prepared. Um, we had some some marketing materials like videos. uh kind of showing off what we do and then that stuff was was prepared uh, anyway uh the, the folks that we were really great in in helping us to put together the profile uh that's on their on their site um mm-hmm. so I, I think we were we were pretty well prepared going going into it just because we were already uh raising a a proper investment round on the side gotcha
0: has there been any sort of major pivots over the last couple of years outside of, obviously, the tech of building the, this engine? But has there been any sort of major pivots that you guys have had to endure?
2: Uh, I mean, it's, it, we've been doing this for, for a few years now. Um, so on the technical side, you know, we're on the fourth generation of engine architecture. Um, so that definitely had to make a number of pivots on the technology itself. Uh, the, the thermodynamic cycle has remained kind of our, our constant but the the what the engine looks like uh, has changed uh, s- several times uh, o- over the years um, on the business side you know really decided just deciding to uh, focus on on the military as a first customer um, I, I think that was a, a, a big pivot for us as well um, but uh, just just seeing a lot of interest on, on the military side Um and can't, can't pass up that opportunity.
0: Sure. Sure. And, and now I, I know you've said you've been working here for a while. Have you had any other previous jobs, um, uh, that might have gotten you kind of ready for, for this sort of position or, or, or what's kind of your background a little bit outside of talking about this sort of stuff with
2: your dad at the table? <laughs> so I have primarily a, a technical background, you know, I, I, uh, I guess start starting in high school. Um, I was really into computers. I, I had a, a, a little uh, computer business uh, that I opened up when I was 12. I was, I would, I'd build computers for, for, you know, folks in my town and then, uh, some, some computer services, you know, building websites and things like that. So mm-hmm. always kind of entrepreneurial. Um, my, my father, uh, opened two uh, two small companies. Uh, so he, he also, uh, I think is a real entrepreneur at heart, um, and then um, you know, I, I went to school for computer science and neuroscience, and then uh, 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 I had a couple of uh, internships, uh, mostly just technical stuff and then, and, and then a number of uh, research assistant assistantships. Um, so that's, that's my background. But uh, after, after MIT, uh, I, I did a, a half-time postdoc and halftime with the company. And then I, I just decided to take the uh, full-time plunge into the company.
0: Nice. So what's it like working with a uh, family? How, how, how's that? Uh, how, how's that environment?
2: You know, it's, it's really been great. Uh, it, it's a special opportunity to be able to work so closely with, with my father. I think it, it brings us closer. Um, you know, sometimes we don't always see eye to eye, which you know, you, you can't see eye to eye on everything always. Uh, but we've always been able to uh, talk things through no, no matter what and we sort of, uh, we just don't, <laughs> we, we we don't stop the conversation until we both uh, are on the same page and and, and that's right. how, we, how we how we move forward. That's awesome. what was it like the first
0: time or or who brought up the first time that uh, maybe you guys look at equity crowdfunding like like what was that initial conversation like uh I am always intrigued by hey we should try this
2: crowdfunding thing you know. Uh I'm not sure exactly. I mean my my father always is kind of intrigued by these uh you know doing something new um so he he at some point he wanted to to think about doing a documentary and, and letting people film our, our development and I don't know we just we, we just didn't <laughs> want to do that <laughs> right um, uh, at, at some point we we were talking about doing a uh, kind of a, a crowdsourcing activity where we would open it up on the internet and and allow people to contribute ideas for for using the engine you know make mm. making a new application that doesn't even exist before something that's not feasible. With today's engine technology, but that's enabled by our engine technology, Uh, and I think that that idea kind of eventually evolved into this uh, crowdfunding campaign. That's
0: intriguing. Um, You should look at a company called Maslow. They crowdsourced and then crowdfunded their like um, CNC machine. So obviously different, but very intriguing how they think of um, a product and how it can disrupt an industry and how they're using crowdsourcing and crowdfunding to, to, to make it happen I, I strongly I think you would dig that um, just because it sounds like you guys are thinking a little bit like this you know um, so at, as a small company how did you guys you know go after all the press you're getting has there been a, a a press outreach sort of strategy do you have a PR firm that you're working with or has it just been word of mouth type of uh,
2: type of uh, um, press um, we I don't i don't know if you would call it an explicit strategy but when we have something interesting to share uh we will typically uh, engage a pr firm and uh and, and reach out so um you know we've worked pretty closely with uh with big Fish in, in boston um mm-hmm. they're, they're a boutique uh, uh pr firm um and, and i think what the story that we have is is interesting so yeah. uh I think you know, folks kind of latch onto it. We 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 released this video uh, this summer, and I, I think we've had over a million uh, views on the video. So that that sort of went uh, viral. Um, so it's it's been phenomenal to see. Um, I, I do think that the rotary engine in the past has had kind of a cult uh, following. Uh, it's just uh, it, it's kind of uh, just attractive to people that that are interested in engineering. It's it's really an engineering marvel in its uh, right. simplicity and elegance um so that that engine never really business-wise uh ha- had big success but as an engineering uh feat it, it's, it's a beautiful engine um so I, I think folks appreciate the simplicity and elegance of, of design and, and we're, we're kind of building on that
0: that's cool so you know what do you see in the next five years um uh, for the company
2: well, we're looking to take our engine from uh, kind of a beta stage and continue to mature it and get it integrated uh, into a application, and then uh, start building customer relationships. You know, it's it's uh, we are looking to uh, partner with uh, existing engine manufacturers and OEMs. Um, so that's that's going to be really the, the next major milestone for us. Would be to. Uh, to, to engage a, a first real uh, paying customer that that uh, that wants to license the technology.
0: Wow. And then how like I guess if you're in front of VC or whoever, how, how do you describe scale in those conversations for your company?
2: Well, uh, our engine is extremely scalable down from a horsepower up to over a thousand horsepower. Um, you know we we just uh, won the Sikorsky uh, uh, entrepreneurship challenge where that, that's a helicopter company that's interested in in, in the engine mm-hmm. um so uh really it's extremely scalable and we have a, a business model where uh I, I guess many of your listeners may not know this but the way that engines are developed today there's only a handful of companies that develop most of the engines that, that, that people uh, experience so uh you know fev and iav and ricardo and avl th- those four companies pretty much dominate engine development for at least for the automotive space so when when gm comes out with a new engine they they may have some ideas on it but they'll contract one of those four companies to develop the engine application um so what we what we see ourselves is uh is also providing engineering services so a company can come to us and say hey I, i need a vertical shaft you know 75 horsepower engine for whatever application and we will work with them to develop the engine they'll they'll pay for the development but in addition uh we'll have reoccurring revenue from, from licensing.
0: Wow. Boy, this really, this thing really could scale. Just kind of thinking about what you just described there. Then, I um, mean, just into the homes, lawnmowers, dirt bikes, just, it just could, seems like it could go on and on and on.
2: Yeah. Wow.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, You know, again, without getting into much detail, but how do you handle the sort of patent world of this or, you know, or an idea being stolen or something like that? Like, you know, especially as a small startup, like, how do you protect yourself?
2: Yeah, so my my father was a innovation consultant uh, out of Boston, and he consulted uh, Fortune 500 companies in in innovation. Uh, So actually helping them get uh, unstuck in their technical challenges. But he also did something called patent busting. He would come to a, a company that, that's looking to either strengthen their own patent portfolio or, or just get around some of their competitors, and, uh, and they would they would poke holes in in patents. They, they, and and in doing that, you can often strengthen uh, your own portfolio. So uh, we, we you know we're very proud of our patent portfolio. Uh, we have uh, uh, something like twenty seven patents, and uh, more than half of those have uh, have been issued. The rest are pending. Uh, mm-hmm. it's a very it's a very broad and uh, hierarchical portfolio at the top of the portfolio is the thermodynamic cycle itself so the the cycle is covered uh, a layer below that would be the engine architecture so imagine patenting piston engine that's that's our second layer of patent right <laughs> uh, right b- b- below that you we'd have kind of enabling features you know how do you seal it how do you cool it how do you lubricate it uh, how do you control it Things that make the engine work. Uh, so that, that's more typical where, where patents are today. Uh, but we have, we have patents on, on all those uh, scales. And uh, we're working with a, a phenomenal uh, IP firm, uh, Sunstein, out of Boston. They, they patented the Segway, uh, just oh, as an wow. example. Um, and you know we, we invest heavily into it. We, we've uh, spent over a million dollars on our patents, just on the patents uh, to, to date.
0: Yeah, I I have um actually man, I was at a a speaking event or something like that where they just went into the um the headaches of patents right now in terms of technology and how critical it is for companies like yourself and all you know all these tech companies and just the um the amount of kind of well, just in general, the challenges of of the patent world and and how their system is a little bit still archaic and out of date uh, in terms of how they handle paperwork and how long it can take. And man, yeah,
2: the patent world is just intriguing to me. Yeah, and it's it's rough enough in uh, in one country, but then when you have to deal with every single country on the planet and and each right. one has their own requirements, it just kind of grows exponentially. I mean, we're faced with uh, with kind of pruning our portfolio trying to keep the, the the core uh portfolio very well protected and trimming off what's uh what, what's not in our core uh simply because right. we can't we can't afford to deal with with all of that wow crazy it's crazy what's the number one question
0: um that's kind of maybe come up with this uh you know with your campaign that's active what's what's the number one thing people have been asking about
2: uh, <laughs> a lot of folks have asked us how we're different than the old uh rotary engine um And and to that, I I say that we kind of took the old rotary engine and flipped it inside out. So you know, they have a triangular rotor and a peanut-shaped housing. We have a peanut-shaped rotor in a triangular housing. So literally took the engine and flipped it inside out. And in in doing that, we we solved the problems of sealing and uh, lubrication, uh, durability, emissions, combustion. We we sort of solved all all of the old challenges of the rotary that that prohibited that engine from, from being a bigger success while also building on our new thermodynamic cycle. So um, that's that, that, that's a big one. Wow. Wow. That's cool stuff.
0: So now I think you mentioned earlier, how, how long do you plan on running the campaign? A month, two months? What, how long do you say?
2: Um, the campaign, it's it's uh, supposed to go through April technically, but uh, I think we're, we're hitting the limit on the number yeah. of investors. So uh, we're, we're trying to figure out now with, uh, with the folks that we fund are the Best way to to wrap it up.
0: Gotcha. So as soon as that money comes in, what's you know? Walk me through. What's the first week look like? What what starts happening?
2: Um, well, it's it's really complementing what what we're uh, already doing. Um, so uh, you know, it, it's it's allowing us to pay for the patents. It's allowing us to pay for marketing. Uh, we are already starting a, a venture capital raise. Uh, so we're we're, we're going to start uh, contacting. Uh, venture capital investors and, and hopefully building on this uh we campaign as a as a successful story for for the vcs showing the, cool. the interest from the community so um I, I think it'll 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 help us out there that's cool do you envision
0: doing equity crowdfunding again has the experience been good
2: you know it well so far it's it's been it's been good um I, i'd like to see kind of how things go uh once, once everybody comes onto our books, <laughs> um, <laughs> right. we, we have certain, you know, reporting requirements and, and, uh, th- there's a lot of, um, stuff logistically that's, that's involved here. And I, I'd like to see kind of just how things work with, with having so many people, uh, you know, a- a- as partners in the company. Right. Um, so, you know, hopefully it's, it's good. And, and, and if so, we, we, we might be open to doing it again. Wow, well, Alec, this has been a
0: unbelievable conversation. I think you, uh, I think the sky's the limit in Liquid Piston. I think you've got an unbelievably bright future here, uh, and I'm really glad I got to talk with you. And uh, we worked through our tech issues, and, uh, and and we got to here. We got to the end.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, that, again, thanks a lot for, for having us. Really appreciate it.
0: No problem. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Okay. Bye. All right, how about that conversation? That's a smart guy. They've got something really special going on over here in uh, Bloomfield, Connecticut. I believe it was right, Bloomfield, Connecticut. I think that's what he said it was. So, whew, man, I need to find more people that want to do equity crowdfunding because there is just something going on there right now. It's 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 just an awesome awesome thing. So. Uh, so this song we're listening to is a song called "Warm Fire" that I worked on with a singer-songwriter out of Chicago. Her and I uh, worked on writing this together. Her name is Unique, and then singing on is, is a female singer named Lulu Doll from the Detroit area. Um, she's the one that actually ended up performing the one of the final versions of it. Um, but yes, yeah, so this is a pretty emotional love song here that um, that that means a lot to me. So, all right, let's listen to the song, and uh, I'll see everybody on Thursday. Have a good, have a good first start of the week.
1: I want you to- It's like a fairy tale